Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. Um, <clears throat> I am glad to see everybody this morning. Uh, this morning we're going to continue on in uh, our sermon series, Far as the Curse is Found. I'm going to say this every week. It's going to be a, it's going to be a while. Uh, we're going to be in this for a while. Uh, but it's good because it'll, it'll keep going. Um, <clears throat> uh, but what we have looked at so far is what, when we talk about this, uh, Far as the Curse is Found, what we've, what we've established is that God created the world uh, and he created it good. In fact, when he looked at the completion of it, he said it was very good. That's Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And we can see some of the nuances in that and how things were created, how people uh, created, how people were created, how relationships were created. Uh, and last week, we looked at work from that standpoint, how work was created, that it was created good. Yeah. Yeah. And you might be going, ugh. But yeah. But then, to take some of the pressure off, then we have Genesis 3. So we know that work is also distorted. It's fallen. It's part of the rebellion. And then we go, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and so that paradigm of creation and rebellion affects everything. The way God designed the world to be and then the way we function in it. We can look and say, it was designed good. We were designed good. Relationships, work, all of this was designed good. But there's something off. There's something distorted. Um, just as Jeremy just said, things that, have, can't, things that can be good are put in position of being ultimate. And that is, that's precisely what happens in Genesis 3. That's the fall, that's the rebellion, that's where everything gets distorted and gets mixed up and gets perverted, and, and that's where our rebellion comes. So this week, we're going to follow up looking at work by looking at rest. All right, so I'm going to read two different passages uh, I'm going to read Genesis 2, 1 through 3, and also uh, from the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. So we'll have this on the screen behind us. Let me read these for us. Uh, this is the completion of creation from Genesis 2, 1 through 3. I don't know why uh, Hebrew writers decided to put this into chapter 2 instead of just like capping it all in Genesis 1. Seems like that would have been a better idea. Nobody asked me, uh, so I'm just going to hold my well-thought-out, strong opinion, I believe, to myself uh, until I find out why I'm wrong, and I'm sure I'll find that out. Uh, all right, Genesis 2, 1 through 3, this is the completion. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Verse 2, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he, what class? Rested. That's huge. We'll get to that. On the seventh day, from all his work that he has done. So God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And then flash forward several hundred years, uh, maybe thousand years, into Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. This is after God's people have been formed and fashioned and they've been enslaved in Egypt for four, over 400 years. 
And these are the commandments that God has given to them after he said, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Then he says this, Deuteronomy 5, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you will labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you will not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or of the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. That's also huge. Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This uh, is the word of the Lord, and you can respond by saying, thanks be to God. All right, let me, ask, uh, let me start with a simple question. This is rhetorical, so you don't have to raise your hand, but I do want to tell you, well, let me just start with that, and then... Uh, How many of you at some level are feeling a measure of stress? Now, I said you don't have to show your hands, but if you need to like stand up and wave your hands in the air and jump up and down, me, 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 I get it, I get it, right? Everybody, are we good? Uh, Yeah, nobody's sitting there going, hmm, no? Okay, good. Um, Yeah, yeah. so I was going to bring some stats. The, the APA, American Psychology Association, has this, they put out stats every year. Um, you'll be interested to know there was something like 70-something percent of people were stressed about the election. Uh, that was 2019 stats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, I, I was going to put all these stats together, and I read them, but there's two reasons I'm not going to. One. Slightly confusing. I'm not a psychologist, and I was reading stats, nor a mathematician, and I'm reading the stats, and it made like the Electoral College thing look easy. I was like, okay, got that. What are you talking about? Uh, the, the, the different levels of stats. So I decided not to um, put stats out. The other reason I didn't want to put stats out is uh, it was depressing uh, and quite stressful. Um, let me just give you the summary statement from the APA. We are facing a national mental health crisis that could yield serious health and social consequences for years to come. Is that good enough? Okay. Um, this year, I would love to approach this idea of Sabbath from like traditional views and, and, and rhythms of life. And I, I was like, I can't really do that. I'm going to pull that in. But just know that this year, it's all of that stuff is amplified. Um, And listen, if you are going to be a follower of Jesus, whether you feel this intensely or not, if you are going to be engaged with anybody, with people over the next several years, if we are going to, as the people of God, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice, as we are called to do and be, uh, then you are going to encounter this. And it's going to continue to be heavy. And there's a few different ways that we feel this weight. Now, here again, these are traditional ways. Just amplify this in the way of of 2020. One, um, there is a fatigue of the body. Uh, Physically, we have a tendency culturally to be up early and up late. We run on coffee and or Red Bull. Uh, Most of us don't sleep well. 
the mind keeps going in the middle of the night, and there is not necessarily a lot of work, but there's a lot of unrest. And that takes a toll on the body. When we first planted the church 14 years ago, I planted in a time when the, 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 mo, the, the sexiest thing for every pastor to confess was how hard they worked. Uh, in fact, a guy that was local, um, he was giving this, he was talking to some local church planters, and he said, you have, if you have guys at your church that are high up in business and, and do a lot of uh, you know, work in the business world, they're business leaders, uh, and they're elders at your church, they're giving 50 to 60 hours a week at that job, and then you expect them to come and put 10 to 15 hours a week at your job, and I'm like, uh, you know, at the church, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, and he goes, you ought to at least match that in your work week. To which my response was, who is captaining the ship? You are enabling workaholism. You are enabling, listen, to work a lot is the most noble and easiest sin to confess. I even had a friend of mine in his sermon was like, I just, I love my job too much. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I was listening to his sermon while I mowed the lawn. And I, was, I hung up, I like stopped the lawnmower and called him. I was like, dude, stop. It was too late. It was already on a, already on a podcast. Anyway, um, we, we, we work a lot. Uh, we work way too much, and, and workaholism is, is way too much. And, but it hasn't seasoned well. Mental health issues, crises, uh, kids abandoned by their fathers especially, not because their fathers are divorced or missing from the home, but because their fathers are just gone, working, traveling, gone. It, it has not seasoned well to just to, to hide behind that. Uh, there's fatigue of the body. There's fatigue of the mind. We are exposed to more information now than we ever have been before constantly. And not only are we exposed to this information, but there is a compelling about this information that we should care and that we should somehow take action uh, when there might, be, there might not be any meaningful action to take. Still, one of my favorite Twitter posts to this day was several years ago. A guy said... Everybody's suffering from uh, disease or, uh, or natural um, disasters. Hang in there. We're liking posts as fast as we can. <laughs> Let that sit. There's this compelling that we have to take action. What action do I have? Click. Whew. Listen, it used to be up till, what, 50 years ago, 70 years ago, I don't know exactly when it all started to change, but it used to be, it's probably more, I'm thinking we're in the year 2000, it's probably more like 70 years ago to eight, nine, any, anyway, it used to be if you lived in a village and there was a fire at a house in your village, one, didn't happen that often, certainly not five times a day, and if there was a fire in your village, you knew the person, you heard about it, you had the capacity to respond. I can bring water, I can help fight the fire, I can help feed or clothe or house the family um, that, that is hurting. Uh, there were things that you could do. And now um, we know about a house fire in Belgium faster than we know about what's happening in our own community, the people that we know next door. My friend described our media access uh, like one continuous season of 24. Do you know what I'm talking about? Did you guys ever watch that show? I, especially when you can now binge watch shows. I didn't watch it until after, until it was on Netflix. And I started at 8 o'clock at night, and 
I got halfway through the day before I was like, stop. <laughs> I got to stop. It leaves you at the end of every show with like this incredible cliffhanger to where you have to keep going or you're going to sit there not knowing what happens next. And, our, and, and, and just like our access to media functions on this with occasional separation of cat videos. It is an addiction. We are always on. I'm always on. And it fatigues us. It fatigues our minds. And then there's the fatigue of the soul. We are constantly on the go. We are always distracted or busy. There's always something to be concerned about, something to be worried about, something to be planning for. Uh, and when we are faced with any sense of boredom, which we should be faced with regularly, when we're faced with any sense of boredom, distraction is, is just, you know, a thumbprint away or a, a facial scan away. Um, and it stops us from ever having to sit and contemplate life and existence and meaning and God and being present with God and with others. And so there's fatigue of the soul. And I want you to know, you may listen to this and go, who is he to be preaching this? Yeah, I get it. This is for me. Okay, this is something that I know and I see and I'm reminded of regularly by people that love me. I need this. I have needed this. I'm in the midst of needing and applying some of these things. So I say that to say, uh, if, if you feel like I'm speaking down to you, no, I'm, I'm speaking down to me. Uh, or if you feel a measure of feeling alone or ashamed, I want to tell you, you are not alone. You may, you may be way ahead of me in this game in a, in a good way, uh, and that's okay. Um, this is for us. Here's the good news that we have, and it's just as applicable today as it was in the time of the Hebrew Scriptures and in the New Testament. God has given us the gift of Sabbath. The easily the most neglected commandment in Scripture. So today we're going to talk about this idea of Sabbath. And basically what I'm going to do, this is going to be a different um, sermon. I'm going to give some points. Uh, I'm just going to kind of rattle off some thoughts. Here's, here's, and actually I have seven of them because I thought that'd be good. Uh, they're, they're pretty holistic. And I didn't like push to fit more in. But I have seven theological uh, thoughts uh, of, of, on Sabbath from Scripture. Uh, there, and then I'm going to have some practical guides to practicing Sabbath, four of those, if you're keeping score. And then finally, we'll end with the ultimate hope of Sabbath. Uh, and here's the thing. I would, love, I would love for this to be a regular rhythm of our church. Uh, it's not. Um, we, we can worry about that another day. But as you hear this, I would love for this to be a, I would love for this to be a foundational rhythm of refuge. It's, it's in our name. And we, I, don't, don't do this well. Um, so, uh, but for today, let's just start with this kind of introduction to this idea of the gift of Sabbath. So first, some theological points on Sabbath. First, Sabbath and rest, this idea of rest and Sabbath, are actually part of the creation design. It was on the seventh day, God rested. Um, this is actually a pretty powerful statement, especially we've, every week I've kind of given some of the way the other forms of worship, the other, the other pagan gods and how they functioned. There is an element to where if you ever finished a product and, uh, or a project and you just like sit down and, and like if you finish, especially like if you built a deck and then you sit on that deck 
or you build a chair and you sit in that chair. For God to sit down and rest, there's two things in that. One, it's done, it's complete. Two, it's not threatened. There's not a threat like somebody's going to come and take this from me. On the seventh day of creation, God rested. That's huge. Gods were always, gods in those days were always at war. They were always doing something. Our God sits down and rests. Uh, and this is rooted in creation. This is not just the result of a rebellion. Rest and, and an active trust in God is part of the design. Um, we could go on from just the Sabbath day. Uh, there are seven Sabbath festivals uh, that the Hebrew people would celebrate throughout this year. Uh, every seven years there would be a celebration. Every seven times seven years would be the year of Jubilee where everything was set loose and set free. The idea of rest and Sabbath rest um, is, is part of creation, and, it, and it's part of every aspect of life. <clears throat> so rest was built in from the beginning. Second, mankind was created on day six. We looked at this yesterday. It was given dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air. They were given uh, this ability, this creation mandate to govern over and to bless, to be fruitful and multiply. Um, and that was on day six. So when Adam, which means man, mankind, and Eve, which means living and life, their first day on the job was day what, class? If they were created on day six, first day on the job was day seven, rest. They show up day one to God, their creator, resting in his completed work, according to the structure of Genesis. The implication here, um, the implication here and this was a day that we'll, we'll look at it eventually to keep holy. The implication here is that our rest does not come from our completed work. Our rest comes from God's completed work. That's what we also are able to sit down in and rest in. Um, and that's important. Uh, I was, several years ago, I was coaching a, a younger pastor, and I asked him about his day off, and here's the thing, day off is not equal to Sabbath. Eugene Peterson had a less than flattering name for a day off, which he called a illegitimate Sabbath. Um, and uh, so, day off, and, and I'll, I'll make that distinction later. Um, but I asked my friend when his day off was, and he said if he's able to get all of his work done by Thursday night, he'll take, he'll take Fridays off. Uh, here's the thing. Sabbath is not when you get all of your work done and you're able to rest. Sabbath is God's completed work. You will always have work left to do. Always. Sabbath is a trust that resists the work that you have left to do and sits and rests in God's completed work. Third, Sabbath is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. If you want to know the nature of sin, look at how often you practice Sabbath. It's a gift and you're like, Eh, I don't need it. Um, it's a gift from God. It's a command given in Deuteronomy 5 that we read earlier, also in Exodus chapter 20. The command is given to God's people. This is important to understand. Chronologically, God's people, they're a couple generations short of their entire existence as a people has been in captivity and slavery. Slaves and servants, when God's people were in Egypt... You did not, you were a servant. That meant you worked. 
Your life, your identity was work. You didn't get a day off. You didn't get time to rest. You were there to be at the beck and call of the oppressors, of those who were over you. Right? Sabbath is a gift from God. God first delivers his people from Egypt out of the house of the slave, out of slavery. The longest commandment in all of the Ten Commandments, three whole verses in the Ten Commandments, is given to this idea of remember what God has done and rest in that. It actually incorporates all of the other commandments. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember that God brought you out of Egypt with a strong and outstretched arm. Keep this day holy and rest. God then reinforced this in time in the wilderness, uh, in the desert, when God provided manna from heaven. And he said, six days, go out and gather the manna, but don't go on the seventh day. I will provide enough on the sixth day for you to gather. And they went out on the seventh day, and the manna was nasty and gross. God said, I told you to rest. And so imprinted right off from their freedom, right off of their being delivered, God just, just really imprinted that strongly on their identity as a people. Rest. <clears throat> Fourth, rest is an act of worship and trust. Uh, according to the commandment, uh, Sabbath is not just a day to be lazy and, and, and lay around the house and get you know, chicken wings and hang out on the couch all day. Hear me, all right, That's, that can be part of it, okay? But it's not just a day to do things with no thought. That's actually not restful. It's not a day ju to just distract our minds with other things. That's actually not restful, and it's certainly not Sabbath. Sabbath is, it is a refrain from labor, but it's actually a day, it's a, it's a refrain from labor and work but it, it is a rest in an active trust of what God has accomplished. It's an active delight in the hope and freedom that we have that God is on his throne. And it's not to be taken for granted. Just as peace is not the absence of conflict, it is the presence of Jesus. Rest is not the absence of labor, it is the presence of trust. It's an act of worship and an act of trust. Fifth, Sabbath is a blessing to all. This is actually the first time both in, in Scripture and uh, outside of, of the creation mandate, this is the first time in Scripture and really in all of history that God begins to war against um, oppression and slavery and forced labor. Just as God does for His people, God wants his, to do through His people. A day off was always a luxury for the oppressor, oppressor or for the boss or for the person in charge. To the servants, and let me clarify here, there are a lot of differences between what we see as servanthood and slavery, even among pagan nations, uh, in the, in, in the uh, Hebrew Scriptures, in, in the New Testament times, and what we know in American slavery, okay? And, and I'm, not, I'm not going to get into all of those. But there are also some commonalities. The commonality being, if you are a servant, you worked and labored. That was your identity. Time off and rest 
and, and grapes, you know, with the person fanning you and, and you know, whatever, that was, that was for uh, those who had money. God makes no distinction. This time of rest and Sabbath is for you and for your children and for your servants. There's no income level that, that is more worthy of a time of Sabbath or less worthy. It is for all, even the sojourner in your midst, regardless of your status. This wasn't just something for the wealthy to be able to afford. It was for everyone, even the animals. In fact, early on in Christianity, when, in, in the 300s, when uh, this little ragtag group of faithful believers began to influence Constantine, that was the first time when Constantine kind of made that the norm. One of the benefits of that, there were certainly some cons of that, but one of the benefits of that is a six-day work week with a day off. That became the norm. We kind of take it for granted now. But in an agrarian society, if you don't hunt and gather, you don't eat. And God said, I will provide you take a day to rest. Um, so your rest and your Sabbath, followers of Jesus, ought to be a blessing for those around you. It ought to be a gift to those around you. Six, rest was the beginning, not the end. It was the last day of God's creation, first day of our existence. Do you know when a, uh, for, uh, in, in the Jewish community, do you know when the day begins? Anybody know when the day begins for the, in the Jewish community? Sundown. Sundown. When does the day begin in our culture? Sun up. The first part of the day was rest. The day starts with rest. Labor flows out of that. For us, the first part of the day starts with work. And if you work hard enough, and you make enough, and you get to a certain point, then you can rest. That's not how God designed it. God designed us to start with rest and to work from that, not for it. You don't work to earn your rest. You work from your rest. Finally, keeping the Sabbath was the distinction of, of the people of Israel, of the people of God. It is it is what separated them from every other nation. Their trust in their God, their ability to, 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 to cease for a day of labor, and that common practice. Um, we, we neglect it uh, fairly regularly, um, but this was the defining difference. Sabbath was an incredibly different thing. Again, in an agrarian culture, if you don't farm, if you don't hunt, if you don't gather, if you don't bring in food, you don't eat. And that was a daily process because their, their refrigerators, they had low wattage outlets back then and they couldn't plug in a full refrigerator. Um, it was a day by day. You gathered and you ate. And God's people were called to cease from that. And that was huge. In our day, in, in an information age, we're called to cease from the incoming barrage. We can't just hide from it and pretend that the world doesn't exist, but we are called to cease from that intentionally 
time away, not to be lazy, but to actively rest and trust God. Those are some theological thoughts. Practically, how does this work? What are some practicalities of the Sabbath day? Um, there's, there's four elements of this, and I took it primarily from two different uh, works, both kind of in the same thing. Um, Pete Scazzaro, who has the Emotionally Healthy Church, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Emotionally Healthy Leadership, Emotionally Healthy Pets, uh, it's a joke, um, lots of emotionally healthy stuff. Uh, he has an outline from here, but also the guy that is now the pastor at his church, Rich Viotos, uh, has another book that has been fantastic for me. I had to stop because my tendency is to read it and go, ah, that's a good idea, and then put it down and not do anything. So I stopped because this one was convicting. There's a lot of nuances here. Um, Sabbath can be done. And and hear hear me. Uh, One of the greatest dangers of Sabbath is that it becomes a heavy burden. Uh, And I don't want it to be a heavy burden. Uh, I want it to be a joyful gift that God has given. Um, So I think there's some freedom here. This can be done individually. This can be done as a family. I'm not going to necessarily get into what day it should be done on or what time period it should be done. Uh, they, they, it's a 24-hour ceasing from, from labor. Um, I think there's a lot of room to practice and grow and get better at resting and, and Sabbathing. If you, if you think, well, I, I'm good at resting, probably not. We're probably good at, we're probably good at distracting. Um, so a couple years ago as a family, we went over to my friend Rory's house. Uh, she is a, a, an Orthodox Jewish rabbi, and we enjoyed a Friday evening and a Shabbat meal with them. And we played games, and it was good. And it's funny, because there, there is a list of rules of what they can and they can't do. Uh, you can't do any labor on the house. You can't turn on lights. And so when he was showing me his office, I went, ooh. <laughs> and I, try, I remembered that I wasn't supposed to turn on the light uh, at the last possible second. Uh, my son may or may not have knocked off a smoke alarm when they were playing with the kids, and I felt horrible. I was like, can I put it back up? And they're like, it's okay. It's like, okay, active trust. Um, so we'll both do that. Uh, and they made it. They did not have any fires throughout the night, and they were able to put it back up uh, Saturday night. Um, but we went over there, and it was just super enjoyable. Um, and so we have recently, and I say recently, like within the last month, implemented some of this into our, uh, into our family. So I'll, I'll share how we've, we've started doing it a little bit as well. So four things. Um, First, stop working. Paid and unpaid labor, stop. Um, You get to weekly, W-E-E-K-L-Y, weekly resign your job as the general manager of the universe. Turn off emails, turn off phones. Um, It can take some preparation beforehand, uh, but any paid or unpaid work, that means Clean the house beforehand. Don't, don't, it's not a time to go, oh, okay, now I have free time to do these chores. No. Um, paying bills, uh, responding to, to text alerts, um, stop, stop working. This is uh, yard work. If you, like if you enjoy gardening or whatever, that, that's, that's, I think that's different. This is not a time where you now have time to get all the things that you need to get done, done. This is a time to cease labor. Uh, it's a time, hear this, this is a time to be unhurried. It's a time to be not rushed. And so what we currently do is on Saturday nights at 6 p.m., we turn off all of our electronics. 
we're discussing some changes to that as far as like, can we watch a movie together or whatever? But social media, emails, texts, alerts, everything goes in the other room. Um, and, and again, it, it is also a time to be enjoyed. So, um, but we, we turn off all of those things. Um, second, enjoy rest. Uh, this is a time that, that you don't have to be given to the tyranny of the urgent. It's to be enjoyed. Um, so when we wrestle with electronics, our kids don't do electronics during the school week. Uh, and so we're wrestling, and they're, they're watching right now. We're wrestling with, is, is this a time that they can have fun to a degree on electronics? But it's also not a time of isolation. So we're rethinking, how do we, if they play things together, if they, you know, how do we do that? Um, this is a time to enjoy rest. Uh, this is not supposed to be a burden. And it's amazing how much, my, in my own heart, how much I neglect this gift. So what we've decided to do is on Saturday evenings, we eat a good dinner together. Now, if it's a labor, if it's something that Allison's preparing, she'll work beforehand to get it done. But if it's something that I'm doing, if I'm like smoking meat or, or on the grill, I, that's enjoyable for me. That is life-giving for me. And so we, we can start later than six in preparing the meal. Um, but we'll sit down together and we'll enjoy a good meal together and take a nap and go for a walk and, and sit and talk. Um, and I will tell you that the freedom of turning off the electronics and walking away from that in an intentional way uh, it, it, it feels like Lord of the Rings people, it's like worm tongue being taken away from the king's side, right? And all of a sudden the king like becomes healthy again. And having that, like I know I can't check it, I'm, I'm set free to keep tabs from the world. Like in making sure that I'm keeping the world from falling apart, like it, that's in the other room. Third, practice Delight. Um, several years ago, I built a cover over our back patio, and for the last four weeks, we've sat out there, uh, and uh, we, we, we do have a, a propane heater out there, which I understand now is like the new toilet paper, like propane heaters are going like crazy. Um, we'll sit out there, and I'll just sit, and, and, and Allison and I both will do this. We'll look up, and she'll go, we'll go, I built that. I did that, and now we're enjoying it. There's a measure of practicing delight. You take time in the preparation, and as you look at, at Sabbath, take time as you enter into it to find things that give you joy and delight. This is not, hear me, Sabbath is not fasting. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? Sabbath is not a sacrificial fast where you give up chocolate for, for Sabbath. Sabbath is delight. This is not to be a sacrifice and miserable like, okay, we got, a, we got a Sabbath again. This is to be fully there. Eat extra chocolate on Sabbath. Probably, all right, we'll get, we'll get to that part. This is something to take joy and delight in. Um, so we'll have a good meal. Uh, we'll, we'll play board games together. Um, we'll eat good food, uh, which I find tremendous joy and delight in. Uh, we, we've carved pumpkins. That's kind of a... It's kind of a seasonal thing. Um, you usually don't do that on a regular basis, but whatever, we did that. Um, you can celebrate with others, have people over, play. 
When's the last time you've taken time to play? And I'm not like, not this, but like to just to play. Um, I've, I've been in this mode, I was in this mode coming into this year, and this year has not changed it much, where every time I laid down to take a nap, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get some work done. And then every time I would start getting work done, I'd be like, oh, I just want to take a nap. Anybody? <laughs> yeah, you just, you, you, you take that off, and it's a time to, to just delight, delight in the things that God made good. Um, and, and I want you to know this, please know this, this is not from a position of privilege. This is not from a position of like, oh, well, sure, you can do that because you can afford it. No, this is supposed to be a gift to all people. Not only that, but God did this throughout Israel's history in times when they were powerful and in times when they were even in captivity in Babylon. They practiced, God's faithful people still practice Sabbath. And that was a testimony, a huge testimony to the world around them. Um, so practice delight, enjoy things, uh, and then finally contemplate God. This has to be intentional. This is a day that is holy to the Lord. And here's what, here's what that means. This is not a day, this is not like holiness the, the way that I typically think of, like, okay, put on your best behavior, don't mess up, this is what holiness looks like, arch that back, have it all together. That's not what it means to be holy to the Lord, especially in the day of Sabbath. Sabbath is, um, this is a time of joyful celebration, not to escape the worries and fears of the world or to just not deal with things, plug in your ears or whatever. It is a celebration, intentional celebration of hope in God. Uh, the, the, you know, the Hotel California, the famous lyric, some dance to remember, some dance to forget. Followers of Jesus on Sabbath, this is when we dance to remember. This is not an escape from reality. This is, if anything, this is a reorientation to a delight in what is the fullness of reality. That God is victorious. Um, and so holiness is a time of joy, but it's a time of remembrance. We are called to six days of faithful labor, and rest is actually included in those every day. But on this day, it is a day holy to the Lord to joyfully and faithfully rest and enjoy God's completed work. In our meal time, when we sit down together, we'll start with the liturgy of communion, and we'll take it through our, the Lord's Prayer, and then, at the, and then we'll have a, a response time of that, and then we'll take communion, and then at the end of, the, end of the, that time of communion, which is about, takes about five to ten minutes, um, I will pray over my family, and then they will lay hands and, and pray over me, and then we eat. The questions that we try to ask during our time is not... Um, we try to ask time uh, questions that like cultivate gratitude, celebrate what's been accomplished, um, be together and rejoice in that, delight in our time together. Um, I, I, for me, this is hard, but I want it to be a time of joyfully recalling and recounting the goodness of God. Uh, and um, that's the time we're encouraging to each other. One of the other reasons we do this on Saturday right now, uh, this, is not, this is also not to neglect the gathering of God's people. Uh, most pastors I know, if they do this, it's from Friday to Saturday, which is the typical uh, uh, Jewish time of Sabbath. We've started doing this on, on Saturday, and, and we're going to negotiate this because this, this is work for me. Like, I, 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 I think, I don't, we haven't spelled anything out, like, officially, but this is part of my job. <laughs> like, I have to do this. Um, 
but uh, so I, so I am working technically, but this is this is what's hard. I also want this. I also want to remember to delight in this time, um, and that's hard to remember at times. I don't want this to be my paid job, like I clock in when I get here in the morning. Um, I want this time to be to be joyfully bringing the goodness of God out of me to be able to pour into you, worshiping together, being together. This is baked into the time of the Sabbath to gather as God's people. <clears throat> so that's some practical stuff. Um, I, I, can, I can, if you want to, we can put some of this in an outline. If you want to know more, I can give you some um, places to read and listen to. But, uh, so what is the ultimate hope of the Sabbath? Why should followers of Jesus still practice the Sabbath? The very end of Mark 2, Jesus is walking through this field and, he, and they're plucking the heads off the wheat and eating the grain. And that was against Sabbath rules. Remember I told you Sabbath had become a big deal. Um, the religious leaders had piled on all of these ways, all of these rules to remember to rest and enjoy God. Right? Um, and Jesus just walks through and he's like, whatever. And they, and they got livid. This is against the rules. And so Jesus, in his, in his confrontation with the religious leaders, what Jesus says to them, basically, he recounts David going in to eat the bread of the presence um, with the high priest, which was not for David to do, but he brings that out. Uh, and, but then in Mark 27 and 28, he says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This was a gift for you. Not for you to stand over and govern what everybody does and point your finger on how everybody is resting and rejoicing and remembering the Lord. This was a gift. And then Jesus says, so the Son of Man, talking to himself, about himself, is Lord even of the Sabbath. For the follower of Jesus, why should we still celebrate the Sabbath? Maybe even more so? Because our spiritual performance... Our spiritual labor is, it's been accomplished. Jesus is Lord over the Sabbath. It's not on us to follow a bunch of rules to try to keep up a moral appearance or a standard of perfection. Christ has accomplished that on our behalf. So to become a follower of Jesus is to cease our spiritual labors our attempts to make us more righteous before God or to appear more righteous before others, it's to cease that and to find our hope in the completed work of Christ alone and to be able to spiritually rest in that. And that doesn't mean that we don't continue to labor and work in this world, but here again, this is huge. We don't labor for our acceptance in Christ. We labor from our acceptance in Christ. And that's a huge difference. We're not trying to attain God's love and delight and joy. In Christ, we have it. What we labor for is to remember that. What Sabbath does is that brings us face to face every week Ah, 
I forgot. God is sovereign and he's good. I can rest in that. It doesn't make me indifferent to the world. It's not like this one day God's going to get us out of here. It is, okay, I can labor. My acceptance is not based on what these people think of me or what these people think of me. The problem for us, for our spiritual, the problem for us is that spiritual reality uh, for the follower of Jesus too often fails to become physically, mentally, and emotionally a reality in our everyday lives. And so we Sabbath not to be accepted by God, but we're called the Sabbath to remember that we have been in Christ accept, already accepted by God. Let's pray. God, I think I, I take it for granted, but what a unique call uh, for the God of the universe, especially as we look at the history of other religions, pagan religions and other gods and deities and the ways that they were celebrated, especially in this day, the idea that a God would gift to his people rest, mandate it. to cease from labor and to trust you. That's, it's huge. It's become common to, to think about. It's become common to neglect it in my own heart. So God, I pray that we would walk out of here not as feeling this weight of guilt and shame, like, oh, here's another one that I haven't done, but feeling this invitation. Like, may our mouths water for this idea of resting in you. To, to recall, to deal with where we are stressed and where we have given ourselves to, to the, really to the kingdoms of this world and to fail to recall that you are the God of all creation sitting on your throne and that one day the ultimate hope is that we will enter our rest that's been accomplished. So I pray this morning uh, that this would be enticing that this would be um, seen as this beautiful invitation, that we would walk out of here with ideas and thoughts and writing down notes of, oh man, I want this, I want this. And God forbid that we walk out of here and it happens week one and somebody doesn't like it, somebody else is doing this, and we're like, well, but I gotta check because so-and-so is supposed to call me today and blah, 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 blah. You are slow, you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Uh, you are patient and gracious, so give us that patience. Don't, help, don't let us just try this once and, and then not ever do it again. Give us a sustaining measure of grace to implement weekly and daily, but certainly weekly, to cease from labor for 24 hours and to actively put our hope and trust in you and find deep, deep, soul-satisfying joy in that. I don't think we can operate much longer without it. Thank you for the gift of Sabbath. In Jesus' name, amen. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.